As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Well, who knew that turkeys couldn't fly? Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back, Married with Children podcast fans. I'm Stephen, and who knew that turkeys couldn't fly? I'm Alan, and I knew that. And I'm Tyler, and you killed Timothy. Today, we have got the greatest colossal crossover since the Jetsons met the Flintstone in the nudie bar today, we are welcoming Alan. He is part of the WKRP cast, which is a podcast I've been listening to. And I've been wanting to put these two together because this episode of Bundleful Thanksgiving has a lot of similarities to the most famous episode of the W of the WKRP in Cincinnati television show. Alan, you know, you might tell us a little bit about your career in radio kind of give them an idea of why you love it so much. Well, my name is Alan Stair, and I am presently the host of the WKRP Cast podcast, which is a rewatch podcast about WKRP in Cincinnati, which was a TV show about a radio station. Well, when I was 15, I had seen two seasons of WKRP, and I walked into my first radio station, applied for a job, and I started working professionally in radio three months before my 16th birthday. And when my program director walked up to me and introduced himself as the program director, I stuck my hand out and said, oh, you're Andy Travis. And he said, yep, I'm, I'm Andy Travis. So WKRP was just everywhere in the radio world. And I started in radio in the fall of 1980. I uh, went to school for radio and television broadcasting. I've worked at uh, about a dozen different radio stations. I got into advertising and marketing coming out of college. Started working at an advertising agency, which actually then gave me the ability to get into nearly 100. Actually, I've been in over 100 different radio stations. Uh, I've done interviews in some of them. I've done production work in some of them. Others I just have toured, but I've seen a lot of radio stations. So during the pandemic, um, I lost a lot of clientele with my my advertising uh, shop and had some time on my hands. So that's when my wife and I decided to start producing the WKRP cast. So that's how we met up with uh, met up with Stephen. He became a listener um, and got in touch uh, since we had done our, our work for Turkeys Away, and that was the connection that was made up to this episode. Yes, that's correct. And one thing I will say about your, your podcast, you know, I'm a faithful listener. I just started on your new one today, and I, I, what I what really like about you being an insider radio is telling us all the technicalities that go on. I, or, I get into that type of stuff. I don't know if everyone does, but that's one thing I appreciate it when you say, well, this is how it would work, or this is how that would work, and your poster watch, all that's good stuff. Uh, if there are any WKRP fans in the Mary with Children podcast family, yeah, might check it out. And I am a faithful listener. And by the way, uh, Alan, Tyler and I, along with a few others, we got into this podcast during the pandemic as well. The original hosts, they weren't able to continue on. And so 
uh, we were able to take over. That's how we got into it. We figured infection was all the uh, all the sway this day and age. So we decided to infect the listeners with our wonderful voices. Mm -hmm. Yep. You'll test positive for hilarity. Nice spin. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice spin. Yeah. (laughs) Way to to spin that. Yes. A Bunny Thanksgiving. It originally aired on November 24th, 1996. It was written by Vince Cherud, Ben Montaneo, and directed by Amanda Bierce. It's guest starring Howard Sylvester as Grip, James Brown as James Brown, Terry Bradshaw as Terry Bradshaw, Howie Long as Howie Long, Ronnie Lott as Ronnie Lott. Why would you say as themselves from here on out? Oh, well, I'm done with that one. <laughs> Bo Billingsley as Reverend Hightower, Ann Walden as Aunt Maddie, Lakeisha Hurd as Mourner One, Virginia Capers as Mourner 2, Patricia Belcher as Unetta, Nick Latour as Old Man, Carolyn Jones as Woman, and Miles Marcico as Boy. It's Thanksgiving, and Al's childhood was a tradition to eat Aunt Maddie's potato pie on Thanksgiving. So Al takes a trip with Griff to see Aunt Maddie in order to buy some pie. Unfortunately, it turns out that she just died. Jefferson can't find a turkey for Marcy because they've sold out. Then a stray turkey turkey happens to follow Kelly home. Will Kelly let the others eat it? Sunday, share Thanksgiving with the Bundys. The only thing I'm sharing is this Thanksgiving wish for all of you. Get out. A brand new Married with Children. Well, we open up and uh, in the Bundy household, our cold opening, I don't care for them that much, but Al is looking for a pie tent. You know, Peg, I hate to be a needy husband, a demanding husband, and your husband. (laughs) But where the hell is my Thanksgiving pie tin? Uh, why don't you check under the couch where I keep the other dirty dishes? (laughs) Once again, Peg, way to home make. (laughs) See, now I can't quite reach. Well, here. Want to try my bonbon retriever? (laughs) Oh, wait a minute, wait, I got something. Hey, it's from Bud's Nursery School. (laughs) He failed his TB test, Peg. I told him to study. (laughs) Damn cough. I just can't shake it. Yeah, a pie tent, because he needs that Maddie's pie. What does he find is Bud's TB test. <laughs> and he failed it. Bud failed it. He had TB. And just to let you know, that's an infectious disease caused by the mycobacterium tuberculosis bacteria. Tuberculosis usually affects the lungs, but can also affect parts of the body. Most infections do not have symptoms, but in cases, it is known as the latent tuberculosis. And 10% of latent infections progress to active disease if left untreated and kills about half of those affected. The classic symptoms are a chronic cough with blood containing mucus, fever, night sweats, and weight loss. It was historically called consumption due to the weight loss infection of other organs and a wide cause of symptoms. So are they saying that Bud has had TB his entire life, all through this entire show? Well, through at least the first part of the show. Now, I didn't research and find out if it lasts very long, much longer than that. 
but uh, or how many times, how much often it ends up in death. But the thing is, you know, Bud is obviously has tuberculosis when he first shows up and is coughing. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, I feel like David Faustino may have had an actual sickness because he even in lines where it has nothing to do with the plot, he sounds really, really, really thick in the throat. And uh, it it made me laugh every time he like spoke because he really just seemed like he wanted to take a sick day. I thought it was good acting on his part. Happy Thanksgiving, all. Vacuuming for lost hair, Al? (laughs) Why don't you take your shriveled up gourds on out of here? Your cornucopia, too. Wow, corn. Thanks, Mrs. Darcy. Ow. Those are shellacked, you aphid. <laughs> Peggy, aren't you going to cook a turkey for your family this Thanksgiving? Oh, you expect me to cook on a holiday? <laughs> Homemaking is a job, too, you know. Why don't you apply for it, Peg? I found it! Oh. oh, good. Now you can put that metal plate back in your head. <laughs> Although, that's a lot like putting a lid on an empty jar. Oh. Or a bra on you. But Al recalls a fond memory. You know, why he wants that pie pan. This pie tin is worth 25 cents towards one of Aunt Maddie's famous sweet potato pies. <laughs> Well, if she's so famous, how come I haven't heard of her? I don't know. Maybe because she doesn't make chicken pies. Please don't get him started on Aunt Maddie. Bud, unlike the happy childhood we provided for you, I didn't have such a fortunate upbringing. Oh, well, I'm sure Mr. and Mrs. Sasquatch did their best. But we did have one holiday tradition that we cherished. Mom would serve Dad the traditional wild turkey and then chug the rest of the bottle. (laughs) We'd weave on down to Aunt Maddie's and pick up a sweet potato pie, then go back home, the folks would pass out, and I'd have me that sweet potato pie all to myself. Sort of makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside, doesn't it? That's what Mom said about that wild turkey. A happy well, it wasn't a happy childhood for Al, was it? <laughs> no, they they don't they don't do this too often, but when they do, it's really funny uh, hearing about his well, because Al's such a uh, cartoonish figure. To hear about his backstory, his parents have to be monstrous cartoons figures. Yes, at, but you know, earlier it had a more groundedness in it, and and I was thinking back to uh, Fair Exchange. You might remember when. Um, they adopted a, a French exchange student and they had Thanksgiving pizza. Kids, I gotta tell you, I love the day after Thanksgiving. We already got that giving thanks crap out of the way and we get to have leftovers. Peg, is it ready yet? Here it comes! <laughs> you know, Daddy, that was a great idea last night to only eat the cheese so we'd have the crust for today. Yeah. <laughs> I bet a lot of other stupid families ate their whole pizza last night. <laughs> and today they're probably just looking at the old empty cardboard box. 
That was their idea of celebrating Thanksgiving. So this is the only Bundy Thanksgiving episode that there is. There are no others. And oh boy. And we're going to end for a doozy a little bit later when Alan tells us a lot more about the um, the famous uh, Turkey's Away episode. Yeah, but with Al's, uh, before we get there, um, we hear about Al's um, childhood. What do you think of that? His childhood, that story. I like to play with the wild turkey, the wordplay. Uh huh. The uh, you know that uh, mom mom served the traditional wild turkey and uh, then chugged the rest of the bottle. I didn't get that until the second time I watched the episode, and because like uh, it was specifically the term served the traditional wild turkey, and then it was the the, the use of the word served because I had an image of a just like I had I had an image of a dead turkey still feathered and kind of uncooked being sat on the table in front of like an ogre like Al Bundy. And then uh, mom picked up the bottle and chugged it. But it's smarter than that. (laughs) You know, something what I really like about and I want to touch on this a little bit later is Al's memories of going to see Aunt Maddie. How she hit him for taking something and not paying for it, and he would pay for it, and she let him have it for free, actually. And because I was thinking, this is uh, that's a neat story, that's a tradition that he had apparently as a child. And I was kind of curious, do either of you have traditions like that that you remember, either with Thanksgiving, Christmas, or any other holiday for that matter? We always did the meal the family gathering uh both you know thanksgiving and christmas that was always the tradition and it would rotate i mean we'd go to a grandma one year and then we'd go to an aunt another year so it wasn't like we were in the same dining room or the same you know house every year uh but we had the same gathering you know the same family gathering and we'd open the the presents my mom and dad were both only children so we didn't have a very big family and uh, everybody that I called aunts or uncles were actually great aunts and great uncles. So by the time my brother and I were in our teens, a lot of that generation was gone. So we were making a lot of our own kind of traditions each year, things that we'd do. Hmm. Okay. Tyler, what kind of traditions do you have? Well, I had a very similar uh, at, to Alan here. So I was raised by grandparents and my non-paternal grandfather so the man I called grandpa or dad, he was uh, he married into my family and my family hated him because he was an asshole. Uh, I mean, he was he admitted it and he he moved us to Michigan and the rest of my family was out in New England or in Florida. And he got us as far as he he could and nobody would come to visit. I found out later that this was the reason I always thought he, we were just lazy and we didn't go anywhere. But it was, so it was just the four of us and my mom did make the meal, but there wasn't this like extravagant. It wasn't a day of things. So what I would do would be <laughs> I would kind of uh, uh, what was the word um, fungus myself to people in the neighborhood. Like I if you were if you were all having fun, you would look out the window. You might see me standing there looking in longingly. And eventually I would be invited in. <laughs> so I kind of my my memory of Thanksgiving was sharing other people's Thanksgivings, which is, you know what? A lot of fun. 
I was going to say Thanksgiving and Christmas were fond memories when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, I liked Christmas more. But as I've grown o- older, as more of an adult, I've learned to like Thanksgiving better. My brother put it perfectly. He said the food's better. <laughs> I just get drunk a lot now. Yeah. Uh, we don't do that. But uh, we have a big, I have a huge family. I have um, a brother. I do have a sister too, but she was, a, she's a half sister. And so it's always been my brother, my cousin, Eric, my cousin, Jamie, that's his sister. And then my other two cousins, Ryan and Rhett, they're brothers. We all get together and uh, Ryan and um, Rhett are both married now and have some kids. Jamie has uh, three kids. I can't believe they're all graduated from high school now. And Ryan and Rhett, they have some kids. Rhett has some younger ones. So it's always fun. Uh, And I'm sad because this year the family tradition is probably going to be coming to an end or changing drastically because my uncle is retiring and he's hosted Thanksgiving for like the last 25, 30 years. Yeah, and see, Alan, see, Alan, uh, Stevens Thanksgiving experience. It sounds like the perfect kind of family you could sneak your way into and no one would notice. <laughs> Just grab big, start making yourself a plate. <laughs> you got to find that really big one. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you're going to crash weddings, that's the same thing. You want to find a wedding reception with 500 people at it. That way you can be, you know, are you bride side? Well, no, I'm groom. You know, if they're, if I'm here are, with George, so that way you can, you can, be George there. invited me, you know, yeah, George, right? George get to <laughs> George earlier, right? You know, George. Yeah. <sighs> you know, I actually, for a long period in my life for 23 years, um, I was a wedding DJ. Uh, so I've been to personally 1200 wedding receptions in my life. And eventually you get sick of the food. You're just done with it after a while. <laughs> it's, it's all over. You know, Alan, I used to be a minister, and I've talked to Tyler about this before, and believe it or not, when you're a minister, believe it or not, you would rather do a funeral than a wedding. Mm-hmm. That's because a lot more could go wrong no, I imagine. than a wedding. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> no. But I started uh, when I was 17 doing mobile, and boy, you you get responsible really fast when you're doing that because you you realize very quickly you've got one shot that is their one day and it's the day they're going to remember for the rest of their lives and if you blow it if you show up late or your equipment doesn't work or you know you screw something up that's the memory they've got for the rest of their lives so you you become very responsible very quickly and you make sure that you're always on top of that (laughs) yeah same is true for a friend of mine who's a wedding photographer i did news photography and my cousin eric he, went, he asked if I would be the photographer so they could save money. I said, you're asking the wrong guy, Eric. Try my friend Jim. He can do it. Because <laughs> Eric was the oldest of all of us cousins. He would have beat me up probably if I <laughs> messed it up for him. But yeah, look, I have to say, with this whole Thanksgiving premise, I kind of like that this is the only Thanksgiving episode because I tend to skip Thanksgiving episodes and sitcoms because you usually get one banger. And then the rest are kind of, I don't, I, I think specifically with satirical comedy, the shows get a little scared to be too, uh, to go too harsh into it after their first banger. And uh-huh. then, and then you go into this, into this idea where you have to be somewhat, 
ascendier and grounded at the end of it, where the best Thanksgiving ones end in the kind of the way this one does, where it's all bullshit, where it's all silly, and it it, it just breaks that kind of that tradition of sappiness because Thanksgiving can depress you and it can, there's so much roped into it. There's so much mythology roped into this idea of this holiday. And by turning it on its head is always a funny thing. Yes. But uh, let's move on to the first tradition that they are experiencing because Bud is on the couch watching the Macy's day parade. Ooh, yeah. Shake it, baby. <laughs> hey, that Miss Piggy is always a hit in the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And kids, look who's coming up. Betty Boop. Oh, she's fine. <laughs> oh, bud. I'm a dead man. I couldn't get the turkey. Marcy's going to kill me. Whoa, check out Betty Boop. Those have got to be fake. That's nothing. Miss Piggy's dress got caught on a traffic light. I saw everything. Ogling Miss Piggy of all people. I said there was some wind. He couldn't help it. Oh, yes, that's right. The wind. Oh, first, so he says, oh, that Miss Piggy always uh, hitting the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And kids, look who's coming up, Betty Boop. Well, everybody knows Miss Piggy. She was a Muppet in Jim Henson's Muppet Show. And that is something about Miss Piggy you got to keep in mind. She was never on Sesame Street. Since her debut in 1976, Miss Piggy has been noted for her volatile diva personality, her tendency to use French phrases in her speech, and her practice of karate. She was also known for her on-again, off-again relationship with Kermit the Frog, which began in 1976, ended in 2015. Frank Oz was the voice behind Miss Piggy from 1976 until 2002. He was succeeded by Eric Jacobson, who took over the voice work in 2001. Miss Piggy was inspired originally by jazz singer Peggy Leake. Uh, so, uh, Miss Betty Boop is an animated cartoon character created by Max Fleischer in 1930 with help from animators including Grim Natwick. She originally appeared in the Tall Cartoon and Betty Boop film series, which were produced by Fleischer Studios and released by Paramount Pictures. She's also been featured in comic strips and mass merchandising. A character, a caricature of a jazz age flapper, Betty Boop is described in a 1934 court case as combining in appearance the childish with the sophisticated. A large, round baby face with big eyes and a nose like a button, framed in a somewhat careful co- coif, coiffure? Uh, careful, so. coiffure. Careful I like no, no. I like the way Alan just said a careful coiffure with a very small body of which perhaps the leading characteristics is the most self-confident little bust imaginable. Although she was toned down in the mid 1930s as a result of the Hayes code to appear more demure. Betty Boop became one of the best known and popular cartoon characters in the world. The Hayes Code. Uh, we talked about that recently in the previous episode. And one of our other hosts, Luigi 
touched on it briefly. Maybe Alan could go into it a little bit deeper since I'm sure he's more familiar with it going to uh, broadcasting. Uh, it's the reason we wound up with uh, Mary Tyler Moore and Dick Van Dyke in separate beds. It was a self-imposed <laughs> listing of uh, restrictions on movie and television images. And it was really, really restrictive. Uh, anybody that was a, a big movie house or television production house subscribed to the Hays Code. They would follow the Hays Code. Um, but in the 50s, a lot of these mavericks started breaking away from it. And that's where you started getting these rock and roll movies that were flaunting you know, the Hays Code restrictions. And they're showing you know, girls' knees and stuff. It was, it was terrible. Yeah. yeah, that was that was the Hayes Code. And, I remember uh, studying about that in journalism school as well. So, uh, hmm. Stephen, actually, uh, something on a um, on a commentary I did with Jerry Herring a long time ago. We, uh, Alan, me, and uh, one of the previous hosts of the podcast, Jerry Herring, did a commentary on the Ferguson episode where Al gets his favorite toilet that does the bow whoosh sound, and it and it made thunderous like a, uh, a, it made a, like an incredible statement on the show by al having al sit on a toilet in the living room in broad daylight in front of his family i mean his pants were up but the image yeah. the haze code destroyed any <laughs> mention or imagery of toilets well, uh, or wash closets you know, that was one of the big, big, uh, oh, my uh, scandals of All in the Family mm -hmm. was the fact that they played that sound effect. When Archie yep. would be upstairs, you'd get the toilet flush sound effect. And that was so, oh, that was horrible. You know, one of those Hays Code violations. Yeah. And to add to it, it, if they had just done the toilet flush, that's one thing. That get, immediately get audiences going nuts. But the fact that you would have Al, I mean, Al, I'm sorry, not Al, Archie, walk downstairs, there's no yeah. shame, none. W that was even more scandalous. <laughs> Moving on with the episode. Oh, the parade. Hey, when did they get a Rush Limbaugh balloon? <laughs> Oh, Mom, that, that is Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> there is a brief mention of Rush Limbaugh. We've already talked about him. I forgot what episode it was. Uh, I will say one thing with Alan being on here. I would credit him for saving AM radio, wouldn't you? You're saying Alan? Rush saved AM radio? The cell phone saved AM radio. <laughs> the cell phone did? It, it wasn't in... It wasn't until talk radio became interactive and you could be sitting in traffic and you could call in and start screaming at somebody about what you thought about the news headlines. That's when <laughs> AM was saved. That is when talk radio came into its own. Before that, before that, it was guys sitting around talking to housewives who had uh, the availability of a landline and they were talking about recipes and they were talking about cleaning tips and that was talk radio. It wasn't until topical talk became interactive and you could talk to everybody who had a, a phone now in their pocket that is when am radio was saved so i, I rush i mean rush did good work rush had a what an audience of 30 million at the at his at his peak but uh yeah i, I don't think rush saved am he helped it out well i guess you learn something new every day i'm gonna yield to your expertise because that you're the obvious expert on that one 
But then as we go back to the episode, it's going to be Jefferson's turn to enter, and he has a huge problem. Peggy, Peggy, help. Look, Thanksgiving is Marcy's favorite holiday. If I ruin it, she's going to cut off my giblets. I thought she did that a long time ago. Will you sell me your turkey? Well, I'd give him to you, but he's out getting pie. <laughs> I'm dead. There's not a single turkey left in all of Chicago. First, I find it really ironic that Jefferson would turn to Peggy for help in regards to getting a meal cooked. I mean, seriously. Oh, boy, how ironic. And then, of course, Kelly comes in, and she has somehow saved the day. And then um, <laughs> Kelly, you know, they're wondering where they're going to get a turkey because, you know, turkeys are usually gone on Halloween or not Halloween on uh, Thanksgiving. Of course, I do think uh, turkeys get nervous on Halloween. Do you? No, they're just laughing at pumpkins. Okay. I thought it was funny that Kelly walks in with uh, a turkey and his name is Hank. I mean, where does she get this name, Hank? I don't know, but it's perfect. Mm-hmm. but i thought it was really funny when um, they're like there's not one turkey left in all of chicago and then immediately kelly walks in i thought for because the turkey's trailing behind her i thought they were calling kelly a big turkey because she's an idiot but then so it's like i'm just looking at ah, it's a turkey with a turkey uh, yeah. walking in uh-huh. <laughs> we'll come back to that one here in a few minutes because uh getting closer to the big mistake Kelly makes, but Al has to go and find some pie for Aunt Maddie to make his Thanksgiving complete. Hello? Hello? Aunt Maddie, open up! Hey, Al, they're closed. Says there's been a death in the family. Oh, God, no. Does that mean no pie this Thanksgiving? Can I help you folks? Yeah, I need to find Aunt Maddie. You know where she is? Oh, she's down at the church, son. Where's that? Now, you go down to the end of the block and you make a right. Go past the barber shop and you take your first right. Go another block, make another right, then one more right, and it's on your right. (laughs) Well, wouldn't it be easier just to cross the street? Sure, but I need a ride to the barber shop. I love it when he shows up at the Aunt Maddie's kitchen and that old man's out there and they ask him, hey, how do you get to Aunt Maddie's pie shop? And he says, go down to the barber shop, turn right, go down to the next street, turn right, go down to the next street, turn right, and it's there on your left. And they say, why don't you just tell us to go across the street? Well, I need to go to the barber shop. (laughs) By the way, you may want to check out uh, fans. Uh, we got so many guest appearances here. Uh, the old man is Nick Latour. He has 52 acting credits. You may want to check him out at Internet Movie Database. He has a very, very prolific career. Yeah, I recognized a lot of bit players. So now we're going to go back to the Bundy household. A lot of scene changes in here. I really didn't care for this. It really kind of makes the story disjointed. So 
this is one of my biggest problems I've had with season um, seasons 10 and 11. So many fast scene changes, but still we head back to the Bundy household and everyone's contemplating this idea of having turkey for Thanksgiving. Turkey on Thanksgiving. This could catch on. <laughs> Kelly, look at the, uh, look at the nice bed we made for Hank. <laughs> And honey, when he's all snuggled in, we'll kiss him goodbye. I, I meant goodnight. And then we're going to put him into his little house. Well, I don't know if he's going to like it. Hank's afraid of the dark. Oh, oh, but see, if I turn this little dial, his house fills up with a pretty blue light. Yeah, and, and, and he'll be real comfy sleeping on these breadcrumbs. And honey, I made him a blanket. <laughs> Wait a minute. I know what you guys are trying to do. You're trying to get Hank to like you more than me. <laughs> well, I am sorry. We're too smart to fall for that. All right, look, this is what we're going to do. I'll distract her while you snap the neck. <laughs> Can you snap her neck? I mean, after all, she is my sister. I Kelly, honey, I'm getting a little concerned. You're getting very attached to Hank, and um, the lifespan of a turkey is very short. Especially this time of year. <laughs> Kelly, what are you doing? These are my pants. I know. But you and Hank are about the same size. <laughs> what are you doing with your hands around Hank's neck? Oh, just checking his pulse. <laughs> uh, he doesn't look too good. Uh, could be turkey pox. Mm. Maybe we should check his temperature with this. <laughs> yeah. First, we better take off his feathers and examine him. Wait a minute. I know what you guys are up to. You just want to see Hank naked. Because they're trying to convince Kelly what they're going to be doing in a roundabout way. We got this nice bed for him. And we're going to have this nice little light in here to, so he can see. And he's going to be, you know, nice and warm. <laughs> Comfy on this bed of breadcrumbs. Right. And, and a tinfoil blanket. <laughs> you're just trying to get Hank to like you better than me. <laughs> <laughs> she really is. <sighs> Maybe you've gotten dumber. Who knows? But now we need to go back to Al and Griff trying to meet with Aunt Maddie. And they have gone inside to find out what has happened. And yeah, because there was a death in the family. That's why her uh, shop was closed. Yeah, that's right. The death in the family. Excuse me, I'm uh, I'm looking for Aunt Maddie. Here she comes now. <laughs> and he asked that one morning, he says, where's Aunt Maddie? Right there. And they're bringing in her casket. 
I don't know how I can live without the warmth and sweetness. We're all gonna miss, sir. That unforgettable spicy flavor and it. <laughs> buttery bottom. <laughs> Good Lord, is he talking about Aunt Maddie? <laughs> I think Aunt Maddie had jungle fever with this man. So, you come here often? Do you mind? I'm overwhelmed with grief. Uh, how'd you like to be overwhelmed by grief? <laughs> Because one of the lines just killed me was when Griff is hitting on that one girl and she says, can't you see I'm overwhelmed with grief? And he says, how would you like to be overwhelmed by Griff? <laughs> and he, <laughs> who tries to pick up a girl at a funeral? I mean, that is just hilarious. Oh. Boy, I tell you, this is such a funny, <laughs> I, I love, I love when clerks did this. I love when movies do this. I love when Friends did this, when Seinfeld did this. Anytime you've got a bunch of comedians in a funeral and just stuff goes completely out of control, it's always really funny to me because it's such dark humor. Well, do you remember the, uh, the there's a famous episode with Mary Tyler Moore. Have you ever seen that one when she's at a funeral mm-hmm. she's cracking <laughs> up about something and- <laughs> and she's trying to contain herself. That that's the Chuckles the Clown episode, isn't it? Chuckles the Clown, the very famous. Yes. Yeah, that's considered one of the funniest single sitcom episodes ever produced. And the <laughs> elephant, the elephant tried to shuck him. Not much of a crowd, is there? No. <laughs> this were my funeral, it'd be packed. <laughs> that's right, Ted. It's just a matter of giving the public what they want. I wonder which ones are the other clowns. You'll know soon. They're all going to jump out of a little hearse. This is a funeral. A man has died. We came here to show respect, not to laugh. I'm sorry, Mary. No more jokes. My friends, any man's death diminishes me because I'm involved with mankind. Therefore, ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Hey, Louis, stole your poem. <laughs> Chuckles the Clown brought pleasure to millions. The characters he created will be remembered by children and adults alike. Peter Peanut. Mr. Fee Five Four, <laughs> Billy Banana, and my particular favorite, Aunt Yoo-hoo. <laughs> and not just, not just for the laughter that they provided, there was always some deeper meaning to whatever Chuckles did. <laughs> Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo's little, little catchphrase. You remember how when his arch-rival, Senor Kaboom, 
hit him with a giant cucumber and knocked him down. Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo would always pick himself up. <laughs> dust himself off and say, I hurt my foot. <laughs> Life's a lot like that. From time to time, we all fall down and hurt our foot. <laughs> if only we could deal with it as simply and bravely and honestly as Mr. Fee Fi Fo. And what did Chuckles ask in return? Not much. In his own words, a little song, a little seltzer, Donnie. Uh, excuse me, young lady. Yes, you. Uh, would you stand up, please? Please, please, won't you? You feel like laughing, don't you? Don't try to hold it back. Go ahead, laugh out loud. Don't you see, nothing would have made Chuckles happier. He lived to make people laugh. Tears were offensive to him, deeply offensive. He hated to see people cry. So, so go ahead, my dear. Laugh for chuckles. <laughs> oh, man. They had some great stuff back in the 70s. I mean, that was just pure gold. MTM Studios. Yep. And they produced a WKRP. I uh, forgot to mention about James Brown. This is first one of his two appearances on Mary with Children. One was later in the season in Damn Bundies. And he was born February 25th, 1951, called, commonly called JB. He's an American sportscaster known for being the studio host of the James Brown Show, the NFL Today on CBS Sports, and Thursday Night Football on CBS and NFL Network. He is also a special correspondent for CBS News, and he is known for serving as the former host of Fox Sports NFL pregame show, Fox NFL Sunday for 11 years. And, you know, you and I, Tyler, we did that Dud Bowl episode. Remember, they had that promo that says, Hey, guys, the game's back on. And welcome back to the Fox Game of the Week here on Fox. But before we here at Fox return you to the Fox Game of the Week, we'd like to remind you that you're watching Fox. We now return you to the Fox Game of the Week, already in progress on Fox. Hey, Alan, did you know the NFL is on Fox? Yeah, I've heard that. I have. <laughs> but I, I got to tell you guys, when I first looked at your notes on this show, uh, you just have a little encapsulation at the top, and it says guest starring. And the second down is James Brown as James Brown. And I'm thinking, oh, great, the Godfather of Soul is in this one. I feel good. 
when I got down there. No, it wasn't that James Brown. Although uh, Marywood Children does refer to it, uh, unfortunately, on Steve's last episode, before he uh, leaves Marcy, we do have this little scene where James Brown is mentioned. Oh, and Al, when you're in prison, if you run into James Brown, you tell him for me there's one white dude out there who thinks he got a raw deal. Yeah, we needed to be specific, so Fine, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, James Brown, no relation. Well, once I got down to the bio. Yeah, once I got down to the bio, I figured it out. But when I saw it there in the guest starring, I thought, oh, and I was, you know, I remember James did the uh, the preacher at the old landmark in the Blues Brothers movie. Do you see the light? The man! Do you see the light? What light? Have you seen the light? Yes! Yes! Jesus H. So oh, I was just yeah. seeing him as the preacher at the funeral. I knew that was funeral coming out, so I was picturing James Brown giving us the hardest working man in show business, you know. I'm not too sure what it I was gonna look it up here real quick. Uh James Brown singer because if he was still alive at that time. Yeah, he was still alive at that time. He died in two thousand and six. But let's go I wanna mention James Brown saying to Al. She used to say, Oh, is James do your homework for you? And wind up like Al Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, excuse me. I don't believe we've met. Uh, I'm James Brown, Aunt Maddie's nephew. What you that guy on TV? The, the host of NFL on Fox? Why, yes, I am. But you know, I also cover hockey. Yeah, but who cares about that? <laughs> so, you knew my Aunt Maddie. I have very fond memories of your aunt. My mother and father used to take me down to her pie store every Thanksgiving, and I'd try to steal a cookie, and she'd slap me upside the head, and then she'd give me a cookie anyway. It's a wonderful woman. Wait a minute. Don't tell me you're Al Bundy. Yeah, did she talk about me? Oh, my goodness, all the time. As a matter of fact, I'm where I am today because of you. Really? Yeah, I can hear her now. She used to always say, James, do your homework, or you'll wind up like Al Bundy. glad I could help. <laughs> so, you're staying for pie? Pie? Well, of course, after the service, we're all going to have a bit of Aunt Maddie's last sweet potato pie. Al, yeah, I'm glad I could help. Oh, and the fact that, like, all the women in this funeral now believe that Aunt Maddie had jungle fever with Al. He's talking about her buttery bottom. <laughs> the tasty goodness then we go back to the Bundy household Hanky your bubble bath's ready okay let's kill him Hanky Pookie are you down here hey what are you doing oh this is ridiculous Kelly look I know you love Hank, so I'm going to say this as gently as possible. We're going to cut that bird's head off, stuff his butt full of bread, and eat him. <gasps> Get away! Get away! You are not going to kill Hank! <clears throat> Kelly, 
it's your mother. You know I'm on your side. How many heart-to-hearts have we had through this door? Mom, that's the linen closet. <laughs> we have a linen closet? <laughs> Open up! Go away, you turkey haters! Kelly, I promise he won't feel a thing. This isn't one of your dates, bud. <laughs> Kelly is starting to catch on to what the others want. That they want to act. Yeah, kind, kind of. <laughs> She's still <laughs> wrong, but <laughs> yeah, she hides. She's in a room, which I thought it was a nursery for one Peg's second. Talking to the linen closet. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. Peg's talking to the linen closet. No, Peg- Peg's talking through the yeah. Peg's talking through the door that is the linen closet because she says we've had so many heart to heart talks through this door, and that's when Bud goes, "Isn't that the linen closet?" And you know she's done <laughs> no parenting is Peg's deal. Yes, which implies that ev- since she was a child, every heart to heart talk that she's ever had was through that linen closet, and Kelly was never heard them. Well, she tried oh. to have a heart to heart talk in the last episode. Tyler, you and I uh, commented on. Remember the um, Kelly's got a habit. Oh yeah, she she was she still hasn't given her the uh, period talk apparently in her mind. <laughs> yeah, and Kelly already figured it out on her own. She's a late bloomer, Alan. Mm-hmm. Twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but uh, fly then, away, fly away. Yeah. And that's what she does. She says to fly away and... I'm sorry, Hank. I really want to keep you, but it's not safe here. I'm going to have to set you free. (laughs) Oh, me too. I'll never forget you. (laughs) Fly away, Hank. in disaster and this is where i want to bring you in alan a lot because this has so much similarity to turkeys away maybe you could tell us a little bit about turkeys away on the wkrp in cincinnati all right well at the risk of rehashing something that everybody knows the wkrp episode turkeys away is about a promotion that the station owner art carlson comes up with where he is going to give away live turkeys at a local mall and he's very close to the vest about this promotion about what it is he's going to do but he makes sure that the newsman's going to be out there he makes sure that they've got some coverage he wants a banner made up for this thing well then it's what the episode is is telling one joke there is no b story there is no other thing going on it is just building us up to tell this one joke and at the uh, at the mall, the newsman's there. We've got a live feed. He's reporting. Suddenly, this helicopter swoops in. All right, fellow babies, and now it's time to go to our live remote man on the scene at the Pinedale Shopping Mall for the big WKRP turkey giveaway. So take it away, Les Nessman. This is Les Nesman, your man on the scene here at the Pinedale Shopping Center, where the excitement is mounting. We're here to witness the big WKRP turkey Thanksgiving giveaway. Hey, you got permission to be out here? 
What? You're blocking my store here, buddy. Don't you know who I am, huh? I'm Les Nesman. I won the Buckeye Newshawk Award last year. Good for you, Buckeye. Now get out of my doorway. I'm sorry. Creep. So far, so good, huh? I'm here with hundreds of people who have gathered to witness what has been described as perhaps the greatest turkey event in Thanksgiving Day history. All we know for sure is that in a very few moments, there are going to be a lot of happy people out here. Now, the crowd is... The, the crowd is, uh, curious, but well-behaved. And I think I hear something now. Uh, uh, the crowd is moving out into the parking area. And, oh, yes, I can see it now. It's a, it, it's a helicopter. And it's coming this way. A helicopter? It's flying something behind it. I can't quite make it out. It's a large banner. And it says, uh, happy... W K R P. What a sight, ladies and gentlemen. What a sight. The copter seems to be circling the parking area now. I guess it's looking for a place to land. No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. Uh, perhaps a skydiver plumbing to the earth from only 2,000 feet in the air. isn't there. <clears throat> Thanks for that on-the-spot report, Lance. Uh, for those of you who just tuned in, the Pinedale Shopping Mall has just been bombed with live turkey. Film at 11. That's this. Oh. That is just, you cannot get any graphic uh, visual than that. Uh, but we never see a turkey in that episode. We do not see the helicopter. It is all done through uh, sound effects and the reaction and description of the newsman, Les Nesman. Uh, but it is considered the funniest uh, Thanksgiving episode ever produced ever in the history of television. It's regularly in the top 10 of the funniest single episodes of any sitcom ever. Uh, so, And it's all predicated on this idea that turkeys can't fly. Well... When we did the uh, Turkeys Away episode for the WKRP cast, we did a whole lot of research into this topic, uh, even going out to a turkey farm to talk to turkey farmers and to find out, can turkeys fly? Well, a bird that has been bred for the table, something that is going to go to Butterball and they're going to freeze it and you're going to put it on your table for Thanksgiving, they can barely walk. 
they do not fly at all. So a domesticated turkey that is being bred for food cannot fly. They can they can barely get themselves across the farmyard. They're so top-heavy. Uh, the breast is so huge. There's so much extra weight there. But one of the things we discovered, and one of the things that you always get on the Facebook page is, well, you know turkeys can fly. A wild turkey can fly for short distances and very low altitudes. They can get up into trees about 25 feet. They can go maybe, you know, 75 to 100 yards on a good day if they've got the wind with them. Uh, but they're not, they're not flying. They're not, you know, migrating for, you know, for the winter. They're, they can just a little bit get themselves up in the air. And the turkey that Kelly has, it's a wild turkey. That is not a that is not a, a bird bred for the table. That is a wild turkey that she brought in there. They've got a much longer neck. Uh, they they don't have the huge breast. It goes back. It's more of a tapered body. So when she taught, if she had really tossed that turkey out of a second story window, it would have flown across the street. They could have made it across the street. Really. So, so wild turkeys can fly like I can run, as in not very long. Yeah. Okay. Short distances and not very high. Okay, cool. Good to know. And wild turkeys are also jerks. We have a few of them that run around here, and I, I, I didn't chase it. I kind of followed him because he was being, I was like, hey, little turkey, and I walked, uh, just, just followed him down like this path, and he got up to like this tree and turned and I guess he felt cornered because he he did jump and fly at me and did a and like started slashing at me and I was like get the what and he kind of chased me a little bit so they're jerks (laughs) the wild ones yeah they can be now, uh, Alan, by the way, uh, I watch Turkeys Away every Thanksgiving when I get up in the morning. I watch that and I watch uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles before I go over to my uncle's house for the big family get together. Who knows what that's going to be next year, this year? But the last time I watched it, I noticed something. Les Nesman is doing his report. It looks like he's in front of a shoe store. Yeah, Sam Sensible Shoes. Yeah. And thought, the man who is Sam, mm-hmm. the the man who is Sam, is Richard is uh, uh, Michael Fairman. That is Richard Sanders' writing partner. Uh, the oh, two yes. of them write and have been friends for years. Now I was going to say they wrote one of uh, the most popular WKRP episodes, uh, commercial break about the Fairman uh, funeral home jingle. That was that. a Sanders Fairman script. They also wrote. Date with Jennifer, uh, which is the one where uh, Les uh, asks Jennifer out and he decides to get a whole new wardrobe and he gets a a toupee from Mr. Macho. It's a a great episode. It's a funny episode. But uh, Sanders Fairman, yeah, they wrote several, uh, I think four, I want to say four or five WKRP episodes. Yeah. And Mary with Children fans, Richard Sanders uh, did have a guest appearance in season one of Mary with Children. He was, uh, it was in 16 years of what do you get? And Ooh. Al is buying an anniversary present and uh, Richard Sanders is there too, as well. Gordon Jump, who plays Arthur Carlson, plays Mr. Tot in, um, I forgot what it was called, How to Marry a Moron, 
which will air later this year. And also co-starring in there is Edie McClurg, who plays uh, Herb Tarlick's wife in WKRP. But there's one more connection between WKRP. I really want Alan to talk about a little bit, and that is Linda Day, who directed both at WKRP and Married with Children. Yeah, Linda um, directed 11 episodes of WKRP, and her very first directing episode uh, and the very first episode of anything she directed ever was the In Concert episode, which was the story of the Who tragedy uh, that took place here at the Cincinnati Coliseum. Um, so, yeah, Linda is very instrumental uh, as, in the DGA as a female director. Uh, she's been given a lifetime award of achievement for, you know, being a groundbreaking female director. Uh, and she's got a man, her, I know her IMDb profile, it just goes on and on and on. She's got like 250 different uh, places where she's directed. So she's very prolific, but it all started right there on WKRP. And uh, really, Hugh Wilson was very good about that. Dolores Ferraro, uh, another groundbreaking female director that also got her start on WKRP. So it's kind of a trend for Hugh. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm glad she was able to direct 33 episodes of, of uh, Married with Children in the early stages. So yes, Kelly tosses the turkey out the window it should have been able to fly but apparently no i i and it crashes to the ground and so now the family can cook it and eat it without feeling anything we go back to the church and that is when we get a talk from reverend hightower oh that was inspirational let's do another one amen brother Griff. I've been waiting for one year for a taste of that pie. So if you don't want to make this a double funeral, stop singing. Excuse me, excuse me, Reverend Hightower. Now this glorious music has ridden on angels' wings to Aunt Maddie's ears. But now it's time to celebrate her life by sharing this heavenly pie. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother Al's deep love for Aunt Maddie's pie should be an inspiration to us all. <laughs> well, not to us all. There's only one pie. <laughs> Brother Al used the word heavenly. And he is right. He's so right that we cannot, we should not, we must not divide this pie. Hallelujah! Because only one is worthy of it. I think they're going to give me this pie. As Brother L suggests, this pie should go to our Heavenly Father. Him? Him? Why him? He can get a pie anytime he wants to. No, oh, wait, wait, please don't take it. You're right. We can't take it, Brother Al. Only Aunt Maddie can take it to him. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Yes, let us pray. And that name might have come from 
Light in August, a 1932 novel by the Southern American author William Faulkner. It belongs to the Southern Gothic and modernist literary genres. It's set in the author's present day, the interwar period between World War I and World War II, and it centers on two strangers, a pregnant white woman and a man who hides his black identity with white skin. Using a series of flashbacks, the story reveals how these two are connected to another man who has deeply impacted both lives. The character of Gail Hightower is the former minister of Jefferson who was forced to retire after his wife discovers to be having an affair in Memphis and committed suicide. Or maybe it's a reference to Hightower in the Police Academy movies played by Bubba Smith. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Hightower here is played by the guy from Marcy's Bank. And real quick, he does have a very prolific career, too. He was played by Bo Billingshay, who has 292 acting credits. So if you're curious about the stuff he's done, you may want to look into it. Uh, Bo Billingshay. A lot of scene changes in here. Uh, uh, wait, uh, Stephen, before we go back to the Monday household, we do learn one very specific thing of why Al and Griff would stay at this, uh, this service in the first place. Because oh. at the end of the service... They're all going to share Aunt Maddie's pie. Her last pie that she ever made that's smoking beautiful up there on the altar. Yeah, <laughs> and he has to figure out a way to get it. I got the whole pie in my hand. I got the whole pie in my hand. Hallelujah. You know, and they also did Down by the Riverside. These are all good, you know, classics. You know, I, I really like this one on that aspect is that it showed uh, the church and it showed the black church, which is uh, I always thought was more cele celebrated oriented as opposed to worship oriented in, uh, in, you know, predominantly white churches. Just a difference I've noticed in churches. Uh, Alan, Oak, like I said, I used to be a minister. And so I get into that type of stuff, religion. It's so it's so insulting with Al being the only white dude there, just rubbing his hands together, staring at that pie, pretending he gave a crap about this lady. Actually, I think he does care about her. Oh, I don't. I hundred percent don't. He one hundred percent cares more only about that pie, and the only reason he even slightly cares about her is because she made the pie. <laughs> We're going to come back to that a little bit later. Okay, because Alan, I... what do you think? <laughs> oh, Al's only, only connection to this woman is the pie. That's the reason he is there, and that is all <laughs> she ever meant to him in his life, was she's the woman that made the pie that he ate <laughs> when mom and dad were passed out on Thanksgiving Day. Every all of Al's history, all of his any kind of complicated emotions he has for his mother and father, all of his childhood is all roped into this steam and pie up on the altar, <laughs> staring at him like Christ stares at us. And that's all he cares about. And I love it. It looked like dry ice they had up there. Oh, it looked yeah. good. That I, I I mean that pie looked good. Yeah. I was hungry. That made this episode kind of made me hungry. <laughs> <clears throat> then it's Al getting upset that Griff is obsessed with the singing and just cannot sit still. And he's like goading the the choir to continue singing. Mm -hmm. And then 
That's when uh, Griff it. That's when Griff's been dancing and everything. And that's when Al has him sit him sits him down, and then he gets back up and starts dancing again. But Al calls upon his spirit, uh, his for his, his former spirit of being a preacher, and says, "Reverend, this music goes right from, um, right right from angels' wings to Aunt Mad Aunt Maddie's ears." However, shouldn't we be galing ourselves with the sharing nature, her na- or sharing nature by sharing this pie? And they, I, I just love it because he is seriously just like he's standing up in front of everybody, rubbing his hands together and just looking like the devil. And the preacher is saying, Brother Al is right. We should not consume this pie, but it's only good for one. And I was like, I think they're going to give you this pie, which I I've laughed every time he says that because he's just like, oh, my God, can you believe these idiots? They're about to give me this pie. <laughs> and nope, he's going to they're going to give it to God or they say him. And I was like, what? Why? God, can, he can get a he can get a pie anytime he wants. I want it. And but they put the pie in the caskets. The sweetest gem of all scenes ever is Al standing over that casket, apologizing to Aunt Maddie for what he wants to do and ask for a sign. Aunt Maddie, excuse me, but I just know you'd want me to have this last pie, so. If you could, would you just give me a sign? Any sign at all. (laughs) Even if the sign is no sign. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Then the sign is no sign at all. She was, she was getting cold. That no cop bunny boy is stealing that Maddie's pie. Get him! Even if the sign is nothing. <laughs> Reminds me of a Simpsons episode when Homer gets That's... the perfect life working as a bowling pin monkey, and his life was perfect. And this was before Lisa was born. And he's praying to God, God, thank you for, um, thank you for making my life perfect. Uh, this pie is here for you. If um, if you want me to give me absolutely no sign, thank you. I will. Here will be done. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the coward's way out, right? Like, uh, just if, if you want me to do this, Lord, give me no sign. Mm-hmm. All right, sweet. He wants me to do it. Yeah, that's how I prove there is a God. I'll say, if there is a God, give me no sign. If there that's is how, no God, give me a sign. See, I just proved that, it. That's how. That's how I chose. That's how I decided uh, where I would go to college. It's like God, should I go to the school? If you want me to go, give me no sign. Well, here I am. Thanks for the debt, Lord. <laughs> and then Al makes the getaway with the pie with the help of Griff, and he's like. You're running through them like he was a fullback. 
This whole and, thing's set up for the post credit, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is definitely set up for the post credit scene. And Al makes his getaway, but then we go back to the Bundy house. <laughs> well, who knew that turkeys couldn't fly? <laughs> I did. Me too. Ditto. Duh. Jefferson. Thanks for my Thanksgiving turkey. Oh, well, you really have to thank Kelly. I mean, she's the one who threw him to his neck-snapping death. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Hank. You're talking into his butt. <laughs> his head's in the garbage. You guys are really being insensitive. Honey, it was an accident. Right. It wasn't your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Christina Applegate is a treasure. I, mm. I I always forget like how funny she is in character, and her sobbing over this turkey is this this fake cardboard turkey yeah. is is some of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. Just. You know, but then the little boy walks in. <laughs> Hi, Mr. McGinty told me you found my turkey. Where is he? Oh. <laughs> she, she killed him. him. <laughs> you killed Timothy? I'm sorry. I I, I threw him out the window because because I thought he could fly. What are you, an idiot? <laughs> I raised him from an egg. We want a 4-H ribbon together. I'm really sorry. I wanted to kill him. I didn't even get to chop off his head. Hey, no, it wasn't much fun. I mean, he didn't run around or anything. Yes, our little our little shit boy walks in. Yeah, and uh, real quick, Miles Marcico. He has 32 acting credits, was very prolific in the 90s. So if you're interested in looking him up, Marywood Children fans, you might do it because he did a lot of, uh, you know, child roles during that time and teenage roles, too. So uh, and the little boy says, hey, I heard you found Timothy. And of course, we thought it was Hank. And he said that uh, Mr. McGinty told me you found my turkey. Mm-hmm. The famous neighbor, Mr. Ginty, Alan. Well, he's had a grand total of zero appearances. Yeah, but nine references. And it's been a <laughs> while since we've heard his name, but I don't want to go into all that, really. Nah. Yeah, we don't need to list every time that he was referred to. So the kid takes the turkey and runs off. And, and I love how this kid just says to, says to him, wait a minute, I raised him as a chick. You know, I helped him grow up. We won a contest together. Four H fair blue ribbons together. Yeah. I wanted to break his neck and kill him. Which kind of, which goes against what Alan said. Like if he was winning four H ribbons, this would be a fat, big breasted turkey, not a slim uh, wildlife one. Right, Alan? It it depends on what they're uh, judging him on. I don't know if he's raising a wild turkey. It's a pretty good looking wild turkey. But if he's raising a turkey for food, no, that's not a good turkey. I like it. I just like the term raising a wild turkey. (laughs) And being in Oklahoma, and I've worked in education for a while now, 
you know, we have the uh, future farmers of America and that's like a thing for, with uh, high schools where they raise livestock and they go to these shows, especially in the rural parts of Oklahoma. And the urban centers do have them too. Cause I've known kids who've raised pigs. I've known kids who have raised um, uh, calves up into cattle and, you know, eventually they will be taken in and sold to uh, vendors who will, you know, use them for, for butchering. So it's very common. Well, you know, they're, I, they're, uh, I grew up in the middle of a cornfield in central Illinois. And uh, my high school, about 70% of the population of the high school were FFA members. In the fall, after uh, harvest, we would have a tractor parade where everybody would drive their tractor into town and they'd circle the high school with their tractors, all the FFA members. But if you're raising a cow, you're raising sheep, pigs, whatever you're raising, those all get judged at the county fair or the state fair, and then they get auctioned off there at the fair. Jeez, you oh, guys okay. are monsters raising these wonderful animals, loving them like your their pets, and then just hack their breaks, making them look perfect. Snap mm-hmm. their necks and then eat them. Oh, <laughs> man, I feel so guilty that I'm still well, so it's hungry. Really a- it was a big thing around my hometown if the local burger joint bought prize beef at the county fair they'd put a sign in the window that says serving burgers made from and they'd have a picture of the cow that won the blue ribbon right there in the window and you could go in and get a burger from that cow it was come have a taste of philip right tonight (laughs) philip won the blue ribbon come on in (laughs) <laughs> well one thing tyler you know and my grandparents grew up in stillwell we had a lot of thanksgivings there and very rural area and you have to understand in rural america it's more like a connection to your food mm. it's like right. this animal sacrificed itself for you of so, course you do have some activists that don't like that and i can understand their logic to a certain degree but uh you know when you have a connection to your food and when you make it yourself, it's a lot more satisfying. I'm just like, I just watched Soylent Green for the first time a few weeks ago. And it's making me wonder in the post-Soylent <laughs> Green world. Yes, Helen, in the post-Soylent Green world, would we have, would, would, like, would our Olympic athletes be like, wow, look at that. Let's have a bite out of Michael Phelps. Like, you know, they... <laughs> I think he'd be stringy. I think Phelps would be yeah. stringy. There's too much muscle there. You know, it's about, to... no, it's about the connection between your food guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I say, I say, I have always thought about, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm too much. I'm a prairie philosopher, but growing up around this all the time, it's kind of like if you make furniture, Well, you're going to work your craft so that you make the best possible chair or the best possible table. Well, it's the same thing. If you raise cattle, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to get the best marbling of the fat to the lean and the beef, and you're going to know how to raise the cow. And it's amazing the level that these guys get to when it comes to creating these perfect beasts of food. It's basically, you know, that hog is not hog that hog is bacon pork chops and ham and if you know how to raise that hog to create bacon pork chops and ham you're gonna make a lot of money so it's yeah just, it's just becoming the best at that skill and i get that i totally do and i'm you know what 
like anybody who's first listening to the podcast now and has never heard me before, I'm not a vegetarian. I proudly eat meat in many forms. I shovel fish into my mouth without regard. However, it's I think it's the naming process. The fact that the I don't know, just I feel like if I named if I named something, it would I would never be able to personally eat it. You know what I'm talking about? I it's just don't name it. Let it be uh that shouldn't be Timothy the turkey. That should be uh that should just be hey turkey, come here. <laughs> and this kid's like, I wanted to kill it. Oh, it's just like Man, that's some like Dahmer shit right there. Like, I'm going to name you Timmy and you're going to be my best friend. And one day I'm going to snap your neck with my bare hands and we're going to rip your feathers and skin off. And I'm going to sink my teeth into your flesh. Nighty night. Like, (laughs) well, my my daughter had my daughter had a good friend who is now in. Uh, animal husbandry and uh, and and uh, farming in a big way. Uh, she's got her doctorate in it, actually. But uh, we used to drop our daughter out there, and they'd play. Well, part of what they would do is go feed the cattle, feed her. She had two prize cows she was working with, and she was going to show. And and one of them was named Petunia. And I remember meeting Petunia and feeding Petunia. And I remember going out there once in the fall and saying, "Oh, where's Petunia?" and my daughter's friend looked around at me and said she got fourteen thousand dollars at the state fair. I'm like, oh, all right, Petunia. So it's just that's the that's the business. okay. That's, see, now I was gearing up. Doing. Uh, see, Alan, that I get. I was gearing up for you to be like. And one day I came over and we were sitting down to a plate of steak, and I asked, "Where's Petunia?" <laughs> and they all went, "Take a look, look down, we're man." <laughs> It's I would. South, it's South Park episode. Yes, yes, I would puke. I would go. Ah, but you mean that? You mean that cute cow that licked my hand last year? <laughs> they're like, they're like, you want the tongue? It's still in the pot on the stove. Like, oh, <laughs> well, you licked that problem. But you know, we, ah! we do. We do have a distance. We do have a distance, though, and we've we've created this in the last eighty to hundred years. We have a distance between what you pick up in the store and where that food started out. And we don't want to see where that started out. We really don't want to be a part of that process. We just want those sausage patties that are sitting mm-hmm. there in the cold case, you know, at, uh, at, at the uh, grocery store. So yeah, it's, I, and I think, you know, growing up where I grew up, I had more of a connection to that. I mean, I didn't grow up on a farm. Dad, dad was a carpenter. We, you know, we weren't a farm family, but I was around it all the time. So you are more aware of where that stuff comes from and what goes into that process. Also, it's kind of like when I was young, when I was young with my, both my grandfathers were fishermen and my other, my uh, mom's dad was also a hunter. I went hunting a few times and didn't care for it, but I like fishing. And one of the fun parts to me was actually cleaning the fish and uh, prepping it to be eaten. That was something we grew up with in Stillwell. And uh, so, you know, kind of a similar thing, I guess, Alan would be talking about. Am I, am I correct or am I kind of wrong? On oh, yeah, definitely. That's the that, that same kind of thing. Once you've cleaned a fish, scaled a fish, uh, you know, deboned a fish, you got a greater appreciation for that piece of fish you have at a you know at a restaurant. It's uh, it's just getting back to that that root of where the food came from. Y'all ever had uh, y'all ever been pinched by a crab before? A live one? You ever had it get like pinch you? 
No. One of the most painful experiences of my entire up, life. I grew up in Illinois, about as far from an ocean as you can get. I've seen <laughs> crabs, but no, I'm Dude, one pinch me. And I have been pinched by one before, and it was one of the most painful things. They had to use like a metal pair of pliers to pull his like pinchers off because like they're that strong. And I've never, ever, ever tasted meat so good as I cracked that guy that like crabs pinchers open <laughs> to get at that meat and let me tell you you're just, there's no distance at all between me and that crab while i was eating it <laughs> hope he enjoyed pinching me because i got the last pinch in yeah. it's the fun of being at the top of the food chain that's right yeah. <laughs> al comes back with the pie <laughs> marcy I got my pie Now if you'll excuse me I'm going to enjoy it Al We had a horrible Thanksgiving I killed my pet turkey I forgot to reserve a turkey I didn't get to eat turkey I saw Miss Piggy's woo woo (laughs) I mean I mean, we're starving. Are you kidding me? Do you know what I had to go through to get this pie? Al. How could you leave without me? You weren't in the car? No. Do you know how hard it is for a bloody black man to get a cab on Thanksgiving? I'm sorry, buddy. Thanks a lot for running interference for me. Well, if you really want to thank me, you can just give me a piece of that pie. No, it's a uh, Thanksgiving tradition. No, I never share my pie. Al, I think Aunt Maddie would want you to share. Peg, the only thing I'm sharing is this Thanksgiving wish for all of you. Get out. (laughs) He does not want to share it. And all of a sudden, he has a vision of Aunt Maddie telling him, Al Bundy, you need to be sharing that pie. Al Bundy. (laughs) Down here, boy. Aunt Maddie? Al Bundy, what did I always say? If you want that cookie, you got to pay for it. (laughs) No, the other thing. My pies are always sweeter when you share them. Right. Now you share that pie with your family and friends. Don't make me hit you upside the head. Come on, Al. It's Thanksgiving. Share with us. No. Whoa! Al Bundy. Okay. Anybody want to share my pie? Yes, oh, thank you, Good boy. Happy Thanksgiving, Aunt Maddie. <laughs> no, well, remember what she asked him? You remember what I always told you? If you want that mm-hmm. cookie, you got to pay for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> nah, the other thing. Yeah, but she does threaten him like, you know, you better share 
or I'm going to CGI slap you in the face. And we don't got the money for that. And we're going to have to show it to you in audio only. So don't make me do that. You know, our podcast uh, show notes, they, uh, I, when I was looking at them because uh, Alan, someone else does that. Uh, at, uh, their names are Luigi and Annabelle. And they had a note here, since when does Al share with his family? And it doesn't fit with the character of the show, especially the delivery. And it uh, seems too sweet. But I want to make a counterpoint here. Mm-hmm. Now, let me finish, Tyler, please. Go okay. ahead. Go ahead. All right. I think, and you can see this, by the way, but uh, aside from the fact that, um, you know, the family still doesn't get to eat because uh, that little boy ran off, uh, took Timothy away, even though Timothy was well cooked or at least a great prop. We see a side of Al here, and he does share, but he's kind of reluctant to share his pie. Mostly because Aunt Maddie, he imagined what Aunt Maddie would say to him. And I think he respected and admired her. And this is why I think he's not just thinking about himself for a change. (laughs) This is why I think this, because she showed him compassion and love when he was a boy. She would give him these pies it was like his only link to normalcy during the thanksgiving holidays and probably life in general and i think she she was obviously a religious person she used her faith in a positive caring way to be an example and that little remnant gets into out we have seen this before without remember get the dodge out of hell when he's worried about the stuff that's in his trunk tyler mm-hmm. and what does he get out you remember Oh crap! Um, it was a picture of his family. Yes, yes, yes. They were younger. You so this is, I think, a little consistent with that. He does care many times. He has a chance to cheat on Peg at least uh, three or four, but he doesn't. Mm. He told one girl, "Hey, I kind of like my wife, you know, and family." And when she propositions him, so I do think that this was. I think he did care about her to a certain way. Yes, he liked the pie. You know, I want to tell you something. My nanny, that's my mom's mom, my grandmother, and she died about five, six years ago. She made the greatest cake. We called it nanny cake. I love nanny cake. Oh, my God, it's the greatest cake in the world. But I like the, I love the person who made it more than the cake ever. Did your nanny ever Ghostbuster smack you in the face if you didn't share? Actually, no, she whipped my ass. As a ghost? Yeah. uh, You know, well, the thing is, let me tell you something. When you went to nanny and granddad's house, and still will, one year, uh, Eric and I, my older cousin, we got in trouble, and we got whipped with a hickory switch. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, all I'm saying is, I like your reading. It's cute. And maybe it's real. I my reading is that Al would have gladly told them all the screw off. And the only reason he shared is because he's fear of Aunt Maddie haunting him because she has the ability to smack him. What else can she do? So I because he does not look happy to do this at all. And like I said, he reluctantly does it. Oh, he does it under like duress. So what I like about that is in a normal Thanksgiving sitcom kind of sappy ending, 
there would not even there would the the nanny thing and uh, not nanny, I'm, dang you got me saying nanny uh maddie appearing and talking to him and tell, reminding him to share then he would look over and see his hungry family and then decide hey you want to share your guys my pie with me but no he has to get whipped in the face to, uh, to like no, he says that he rejects that he goes no and then gets smacked and then he goes and does it very, very reluctantly with a nasty look on his face. Boom. Directed by Amanda Beers. And it's just it puts it. It completely throws any idea of fake sentimentality out the window. And it does fit with the tone of the show. Well, I will admit that. Like, but he is reluctant about it. And you're right. I do think it keeps in co- context when he's reluctantly sharing it. Maybe he's afraid of Aunt Maddie, but he respects her because of that. Where she kind of taught him some things. But that isn't the real. Or what do you think, Alan? Real quick. About how sincere he is about sharing? Yeah. About the ending, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, he he did not want to share. He would not. I, I agree. I agree. He's only sharing because he thinks Aunt Maddie's watching. <laughs> well, I'm in the minority. No, I, I don't think there was. Any, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there was anything in him that. Uh, hey, I I have a question. Did, was this in any way? I I think it happened a lot later. Did you guys hear about the Patty Labelle sweet potato pies? Yes. And the shortage. Yes that they mm-hmm. had at Walmart. You heard yeah. about those? Mm-hmm. Like in the 2010s or something. I remember Jonathan Brandmeier was talking about them all the time, and he was calling Walmarts all over the country like in November uh, to see what their stock was on Patty LaBelle's sweet potato pies. But when I saw this, I wondered, is there any connection there? But I don't think so. I don't no. Know <laughs> yeah, this was, yeah, like in 1996 when this episode aired. This might have caused the shortage, for all yeah. we know. But... Mm-hmm. It ends, and but we have that little rag sheet at the end when um, we go back to the Fox NFL studios, and of course, um, you know NFL Thanksgiving. I mean, that's a tradition. Football, and we have them breaking down how Al is able to uh, get past all those people, including James Brown. Wow, JB, I can't believe that you got smoked by Al Bunny. I mean, my God, the man's a middle-aged shoe self. Hey, guys, let's check this out and let's go to the replay. Let's do it. Hey, check out the missed tackle by Miss Unetta. Now, that's just sloppy. Now, Bunny heads for daylight. Oh, and who's there to stop him? That's right, our own Jane. Fold up like a blanket. Where's the flag? I told you they should bring back instant replay. Man, he ran over you like a woman in a shoe sale. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, JB. It looked like Al Bundy wanted it just a little more than you. Oh. Hey, wait a minute. Who asked you four eyes? Yeah. You, me? you want some of me, Whoa, 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 whoa fellas. Hey, hold let's, come on. let's just get along here. Stay okay? out of it, Baldy. I like Terry Bradshaw. He's a shoe salesman. Eh. <sighs> I kind of I kind of felt to this similar to uh, Twisted. Was it Twisted? Was it which was the one that had the family ties uh, ending? Uh, that was always got to have it. Oh, really? It was. OK, like when she appeared at the end, like that was OK. Yeah, that was so weird. I I also felt with that this was just too this was too local 
localized to the time period and right then and there. And it just kind of, I don't know. I would have preferred an extra minute or two with Al and the family than. Uh, oh, I would agree. This. I would agree with you on that. Okay, I would good. Agree. Yeah. But, you know, we right, have. Now, go ahead. Do you think. Do you think that was promoting the NFL on Fox or was it more the uh, Married with Children production is going, wow, we get Howie Long and we get James Brown? Or was it Fox going, hey, let's put these guys on one of our top rated properties and get them out there for the promotion for NFL uh, Live than it was for for the uh, Married with Children? Since Terry, Ronnie and Howie and James were probably filming down the hall, I'm assuming it's just a crossover into uh, Fox ribbing on itself. I don't think they're ribbing on themselves. I think it, Fox designed this as a promo because they were a network by this time. Yeah, I mean, a promo, yeah. but uh, but in a satirical kind of smack sense where people who are on Fox are like, because I, I don't know, like, Fox using themselves to promote their brand is kind of like a like a a smarmy the kind of way to do that, which I appreciate. It's why I like Fox, but well, I liked Fox back then. Mm, not so much now, but you're right. Yeah, as a as, as an ad for the NFL live uh, show, it totally does work. Yeah, this aired you know just a few days before Thanksgiving, so. I almost think that Hulu could have cropped, could have chopped it right off. You know what I mean? They probably could have. I tell you what, I don't think we have time to really go into all the people there, Howie and Ronnie, and uh, and we really don't have to. (laughs) You kind of get what it is uh, while watching. One thing was though is that they did mention let's bring back instant replay on this one and of uh instant replay in 1986 mm-hmm, the controversy and, yeah and back then was just an enhancement of the game telecast and it was taken to a higher level and they would use the man upstairs a replay official seated in front of two television monitors mm-hmm. and, and the system concentrated on plays of possession like fumbles receptions and muffs and the predictable complaint was that it made the games longer and slowed the tempo. And it was, and they eliminated it uh, in 1982. But then it was reintroduced in 1999 as a different format. I kind of like it, but I still think it slows up the game. I'm a football fan. I know, Tyler, you're not much of one. Zero. But, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, now they're doing it on where to place the ball for a first down. And I don't mm. like that. I'm thinking you I mean, the officials right there, they know where the ball is. Yeah. I don't think they should be replaying for things like that. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. So, Alan, 
how many turkeys are you going to throw out the window for this episode of Married with Children? Uh, I'm not blown away by this one. Um, and really, I think WKRP did the whole turkey joke a lot better. Uh, so I'm probably looking at two and a half to three turkeys out the window on this one. Okay. I can understand that. But Tyler, what do you think? How many um, turkeys you going to throw out the window? You know what, Alan, you kind of helped me with my rating, too. And it's making me I thought I was going to say I'm going to give it a uh, like a very, very, you know, gracious three turkeys out the window. But <laughs> yours made me feel like a shameful three. And it it, it kind of does. Like there are parts that made me laugh. There were definite like great liners. Al looking at the camera over the casket is one of my favorite images of him now. Um, like I'm totally going to steal from this woman's corpse. It's going to be great. Just watch guys. Like that's great and all, but it didn't really hit that hard. It should have like went a little, I don't know, just dig deeper, dig a little deeper on the, uh, on the kind of thing. Like maybe, maybe instead it, it felt like it, it felt like it should have both, both, B and A plot should A and B plot should have both been pies or they should have both been turkeys and have everything really collide. That was one of the things I was going to say, just hearing you talking about it. And one of the things that kind of struck me, it felt like they were jamming way too much in there. And then to bring it then all back with the Fox sports guys at the end, it just felt very frenetic and rushed and like, you know, they could have developed either of those storylines a little more and had a much less involved B story uh, and, and had two different episodes out of it. But yeah, it just really felt like they were jamming a lot in there. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to give this one, I'm going to give it a three. I do like it. I like it for what it is. I do agree. The story's a little disjointed. They could have developed them better maybe come up with a few better jokes or focused on one a little bit more or have them interacting more. But uh, I still like it because nothing kills me more than Kelly asking, which would have, who of you would have known that a turkey couldn't fly? And they all say, I do. I did. I did. You know, if uh, Arthur Carlson had been there, he would have could attest, no, they can't fly because he learned the hard way. He'd have known that's right well alan first of all i want to thank you for um joining us for this and i really appreciate the crossover and the time you took out you have anything else you want to say to our mirror children fans about your podcast or anything else uh well i just want to promote the promote the fact we are uh, into our fourth season we're going to be finishing up september 20th will be our last episode so if you haven't heard us uh, dive in. Uh, all of our back episodes are available for free wherever you get your podcast. Just search WKRPCast. Uh, we'd love to have you as a listener. We do have a Patreon page. If you want to get in and uh, support us a little bit financially, we'd love that. It's patreon.com slash WKRPCAST and uh, we would love $5 a month is what we're looking for and we do have several patrons supporting us and we appreciate those folks but uh, we've kept the podcast entirely free 
Uh, it is available every episode. We've got over 90 episodes posted right now. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, interviews with um, various guest stars, writers, directors. So a lot of information about WKRP, and then we really love to dig into the trivia and the background on each episode. Plus, we do go through and actually tell the story of the episode with a lot of clips from the show. So if you haven't seen WKRP in a long time, you still catch up, even if you just have an awareness of the characters. Well, thank you for again for coming on. We appreciate that, Alan, and hope our listeners will give the WKRP cast a listen to. Meanwhile, I hope you tune in for next week when Chris and Luigi will be back to review The Jugs Have Left the Building. Peggy wants to take a holiday in Branson, Missouri, but Al says he can't afford it. The prospect of an all-fried food and only twin beds available, however, make him change his mind. Lucky has to stay behind in care of the Darcy's. Then Marcy feels the urge to act out a dirty fantasy at the Bundy's. In Branson, the Bundy's get a room at the Deliverance Inn. I can already hear the music. And Peg and Kelly must take part in a country music talent contest. So, until then, please remember... This is Les Nessman saying, Good night, and may the good news be yours. Whoa.